Welcome to Hearts of Fire, the podcast for the team working every day at BioBridge Global to save and enhance lives through the healing power of human cells and tissue. We're happy you're listening, and thank you for everything you do. And now, here's the host of Hearts of Fire, Adrian Mendoza. Welcome to our next episode of Hearts of Fire. Today, my special guest is Amanda Whitelanis from GenCure, and I'm so glad to have you here, Amanda, as our guest. I'm excited to be here. So our audience is probably going to be really curious about, well, what GenCure does to some extent, because I know there's a lot of really cool things that go on there. You're really in the heart of it. I think today I just want to get a chance for our audience uh, to hear about you, like get to know you as I do, and also uh, learn a little bit more about GenCure and how you work with the team. So where are you originally from, Amanda? So I'm from San Antonio. I pretty much uh, went to school here from all the way from kindergarten to high school. And then after uh, finishing high school, I moved to Austin, Texas, went to UT, Focum Horns. Uh, So that's my alma mater. And uh, so I got a a degree in biology from there. So after that, um, I did come back to San Antonio briefly, worked at the Health Science Center and did some stem cell research there. Um, But then I did move back to Austin and worked for a molecular diagnostics company there for a couple of years, um, doing some analytical development. Um, And then moved to Michigan shortly thereafter with my husband, just both of us for work, um, worked for another molecular diagnostics company there doing more analytical development. Um, there we were focused in developing uh, genetic carrier screening assays. Um, so that was, uh, I was there for about three years. And then after two, three Michigan winters, we were done. So we came back to Texas and, and we've been here ever since. By analytical development, I, lo- I think that background's really, really cool. I've never been like a, a bench scientist or someone who's really behind the scenes, behind the microscopes and like learning, but I know the processes to like validate and get a new test method. But speak a little bit about, about what that means, analytical development, for those who are kind of curious about that. So uh, one example that I can give, um, at, at least at my most recent experience there in Michigan, because uh, I did also do a bit of that here at Qualtex. Um, I, I was a research scientist uh, in the R&D group for about two years here as well. Um, but ultimately what we do is, at least in that case, uh, we would take um, examples of assays actually from literature, um, run them in our lab, optimize the parameters to ensure that um, the sample types that we ultimately wanted to use um, could be tested reproducibly, um, all within a, an expected range. Um, in our case, we were doing uh, next generation sequencing. So we were looking specifically for genetic mutations in these patient samples. Um, so ultimately, a pregnant woman would go in, get our blood drawn, um, we would extract the DNA, um, evaluate uh, what markers were present to determine the likelihood of her passing on genetic disorders to her unborn child. And mm-hmm. so based on what that looked like, it wasn't diagnostic in the sense that it would say, they're going to have this disease, this would just show the likelihood. So then this, this person could then um, work with a genetic counselor to just see, you know, what, what that would entail. Um, so I know that's kind of a higher level overview, but those ultimately were the assays that we were developing. Um, but the cool thing is, if you get involved with um, working with some types of assays, that experience applies to so many others. So while I was working with uh, next generation sequencing there, I was able to move here and help develop some ELISA assays. Um, and just, you know, it's it's very transferable experience. So once you've been exposed to it, you can kind of get used to what that process is. You can apply it to so many different assays. And that's, I see that's what's happening at Qualtex right now. 
Exactly. I think that's really neat. And so it really boils down to being able to look for something in someone's, in a sample of some kind. And in this case, we're talking about blood, mm -hmm. but um, any kind of assay is really just a test method to detect something inside of a sample. Correct. And then you're looking for a range, like you said, and you're looking for a specific um, marker. Mm -hmm. And so the validation of the development of that is like really getting into understanding how to look for the presence of that thing and then validating it to make sure that it's within, like you said, that range. So, I mean, that's really important work. And just like you highlighted with it providing information that can then help someone make a decision. I mean, when it boils down to it, that's mm -hmm. what so much of what we do in Qualtex, for example, is, is look at what's inside the sample to provide information to make a decision about whether or not a product, a blood product or a tissue product or any kind of product, product including cells, if they can go on to the next step, if they can go on to help save someone's life, or if they should be um, taken out of that circulation, maybe researched further. So it's really important work. And I'm curious, like, how did that transition for you, like doing that frontline and like development and experimental stuff? Do you, because your job now is more in the office, and I think uh, I always wonder how did that transition go? Do you um, do you look at it as uh, the next step in your career? Um, do you miss that part of your work? Do you not miss it? So I'm just kind of curious about that. <laughs> it was a really big transition for me because, as I mentioned, you know, I studied biology as an undergrad. I worked in the sciences for years, and I expected my the next big step for me to take after working here at Caltech for a couple of years. I assumed that I would go for a PhD in the sciences. That's a logical next step. Um, I ended up going for my MBA instead, which was a really big shift. And I just personally, I felt that I could potentially make a bigger impact being in a role that would potentially be more client facing or possibly leading teams. Um, and I sense that by going for an MBA that would prepare me a bit better for, for that type of environment and that type of role. Um, although going for a PhD would have been awesome too, and I definitely, you know, it was, it was, that was a tough decision to distinguish between the two. Um, but I'm glad I went for the MBA after all. Um, and then ultimately, I, I moved to a different role um, in quality. So that I, as I moved into the MBA program, I also moved into quality right around the same time after shortly um, after starting that uh, program. And that also was a tricky decision to make. It was not easy because I thought I've never been in quality before. Even though I've been involved in quality processes such as assay validation, um, it was a new world to me, but it was exciting at the same time because it would allow for me to meet other individuals in the organization, including you. Mm -hmm. um, definitely more exposure to other departments, which was really valuable. Uh, and just having a deeper understanding of the other workings in the organization that take place, you know, because analytical development is very specific and you're looking at really minute details of things. Uh, quality can be a bit, it's broader. And again, it had a bigger reach to other parts of the organizations. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say it was a good move overall. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very challenging to make a move like that. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not an easy decision to make for sure. For sure. And I think for me, I was really glad that you joined our team because of your background in understanding the more analytical part of things and how uh, methods need to be developed. You had that background, which really served um, you well in thinking about how do we break apart this process? How do we look for ways to improve it? What could go wrong? What, um, what ways to solve it? Because kind of quality is in a way 
looking for the solution and solving the riddle through and testing new ideas out. So I think it's, it probably lent itself really well to, you know, a transition for you. And you were just, you know, such a pleasure to work with as we had so much fun in global quality. And what we were also really, really excited about what you had in store next when you got a chance to look at your new opportunity, which is where you're working now in GenCure. So tell us what GenCure does and what you do with GenCure and uh, for the people who are not as familiar with it. So at GenCure, I am the Director of Program Management. So I am responsible for the onboarding of client projects into our organization, just seeing them all the way through from process development phases of their project and into uh, GMP production. So that's the ultimate goal. Um, we work with a lot of clients that are developing new therapies, groundbreaking therapies, life-changing therapies. So it's really motivating and really exciting to onboard new client projects um, into our group. Uh, but ultimately, once, um, once a contract is signed, they have a certain statement of work um, that they intend to work with us on. Once that's signed, we hit the ground running, we start the tech transfer process, and we onboard um, their project uh, into our group. And ultimately, uh, we help them with scale-up. I think that's a big component of what we offer. Um, typically, these companies have very small-scale um, processes that they're using to generate these therapies. We help see them through into large-scale production so that they can um, not only have safe quality potent products, but they can be applied to uh, clinical trials. So typically, most of our clients have pro uh, products that are intended to be used for phase one or phase three um, clinical trials. So that's ultimately what we manufacture for. Uh, so we manufacture both uh, cell banks, um, cell-based products. We also have some media supplements that we manufacture there. Um, so never a dull moment over there. Always fun, very dynamic, and we have an amazing team that yeah, it's just, it's just a really fun, dynamic place to work. I think that's so cool because, you know, that's an area of the industry that when you think about it, you know, there's a group of researchers somewhere out there. It's just like an example of a project that are really looking at providing a new drug product that's going to help save lives um, or really improve lives. Someone who's really suffering from a disease and they need a, a treatment that doesn't exist right now or doesn't exist in a way that's really helping them. So... Researchers get together, they put something together in a lab, they are excited about it, they see some preliminary incredible results, but they can't take it to the next level. And they know that they need to be able to produce this for a lot more people, um, potentially, so that they can go through the, the trials required to really validate that that drug product's effective and safe for people to use. So to get to them to that next level, that's when the tech transfer happens, it sounds like, when they come over and they say, okay, I I have this product, I need to have it, I need that technology of the manufacturing process we developed in our little, you know, research lab to now be scaled up and made available in a setting that's going to bring that product, that drug, to fruition in a way that they can have multiple patients receive it. And I think that's so important because without that, things would not progress from that basic research level to something that's viable for people to use and can save lives. And so I think it really goes back directly to our mission. And I think it's some of the more fascinating work we do. It's really interesting for people. And you get to bring that, um, that along through your program management by working directly with the companies that are developing those drugs and saying, what's the next step? tracking that through, help, helping make sure that everything's running on time, giving them report outs, and really seeing it through so that it can be successful. And I think that is so important. Is that a way to 
describe it to people who, you know, I, I think may not have the same experience with Gen Cure. In a nutshell, I think you covered it. That's exactly right. So I think I heard you're working on a really cool project outside of work. Tell us about that. Like something that <laughs> I wish I could do. You've got this unique opportunity. So it's a house, I understand. Yes. So when I'm not working here, I'm working there. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a family house um, that my husband and I uh, purchased uh, not too long ago. Um, I, I was approached by my, my mom and she was like, hey, we're getting ready to sell your grandparents' house. Would you be interested? And at first, I mean, it needs so much work. It needed so much work. And I thought, oh, there's no way we can do all of this. But I thought about it and we've spent every Halloween, New Year's Eve, Easter, so many holidays and memories were there. I just couldn't imagine that home leaving our family. And so we decided, you know what, we just got to do it. Um, so it took some time for us to decide to do that, but things fell into place. Um, so we were able to buy it and start working on it. So we're still working on it. That's going to be ongoing indefinitely. Um, but it, it, it needs a lot of work. We've done some foundation work. We hired that out. There's no way we can do foundation work ourselves. Um, plumbing, electrical, AC, pretty much the whole nine yards. Um, but again, it's a labor of love and it, it's actually been really exciting and not as much of a I guess we were thinking, oh, this is going to be such a huge burden, but in reality, it's actually been a nice um, distraction. You know, sometimes, especially at work, if you're dealing with a challenge at work, you're trying to kind of navigate and troubleshoot and do things. Sometimes it's nice to step away, do something else for a while, and then come back to it with a fresh perspective. And that's something that I've seen just from doing this housework. It's, <laughs> it's, it's actually really, it's, it's a neat stress reliever, surprisingly. Yeah, I, I had a project like that in California. So we bought this 1942 um, bungalow in California. My husband and I, it was really like small. It was our first home together, 600 square feet. It was tiny, but it was so super cute. And when we were renovating, so there was the, the kitchen had been renovated in like the 1980s. It was a bad renovation, but it was, it was there. When we were tearing apart, we decided we're going to like really make it come back to the 1940s or 1950s stylistically. So my husband and I decided to do this all ourselves. We demolished the kitchen cabinets. And as we were doing that, we found a little treasure left over from when the kitchen was renovated in the 80s. And it was a tile that from the original 19, like late 1940s tile in the kitchen underneath the cabinet in a wow. way you couldn't like see it unless you demolished the cabinet. And I think it was there left by the person who renovated the kitchen to say, this is what used to be there. That is so awesome. it was so much fun. We took that original tile that the one piece of tile that was loose, it was actually obviously placed there. And we designed around that and brought wow. the kitchen back to the way we thought it was originally. And it was so much fun. And we left a little memento of what the kitchen looked like, a picture of what the kitchen looked like before we renovated it and a picture of the tile on the floor for whoever's going to renovate it next time to find it. <laughs> I got to see pictures of this. Please tell me you got some pictures of it. I think I do. I need, I need to see the documentation. <laughs> Well, it was great to have you, Amanda. I'm so excited you were able to join us on Hearts of Fire. And please come back to, to host or to visit and yeah, be a guest you. again. Thanks for having me. Executive producers of Hearts of Fire are Heather Hughes and Jay Pajinski. Your director is David King, with technical assistance from Matt Flores. Our logo was designed by Roberto Esquivel. Our host is Adrian Mendoza. If you have an idea for Hearts of Fire, please feel free to email us, heartsoffire at biobridgeglobal.org.